Welcome to the LBC Podcast, where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. My name is Joel Lapierre, and I'm the high school director at LBC. And I'm Josh White, the adult ministries director at LBC. Yeah, I'm really excited to do this with you, Josh. It's always a pleasure to be able to do ministry alongside you. Me too, man. We haven't, uh, it's been a little while since we did a podcast together, the two of us. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty excited for the two of us to be doing this one today. Yeah, it's always fun to discuss theology with you. And uh, this is a great one, a great topic to talk about. It's not the easiest of ones to talk about, but um, it's God's word. So we're, we're blessed to be able to discuss this. Um, and so our, our topic today is really, really a, posing in a question. Can you be a lukewarm Christian? Can someone be a lukewarm Christian? And uh, recently we've been doing a series called Devoted um, on Sunday mornings, and it's been about the devoted church. Um, but now we're going to be transitioning into a new series about, and called Undevoted, and it's about um, signs of an unhealthy church and what we see um, in the book of Revelation. And so um, one of the signs of an unhealthy church is being lukewarm. So we want to take some time to, to expound upon that and what it means um, to be lukewarm as a, as a Christian. So first question, just to start off right off the bat, is what does it mean for someone to be a lukewarm Christian? Yeah, it's a necessary question to start with. It's, it's really important that we define terms mm -hmm. because words have meaning to them. And so we want to make sure that when we're trying to understand something, especially about Christian theology and practice, we want to use the words that God uses, and we want to make sure that we use them in the way that he uses them in his word. And so we'll start with defining some terms. So when you look at the, the term lukewarm, it's actually only used one time in the scripture. <laughs> and it, it's used specifically in Revelation chapter 3. That's the only place we see it. And wow. so to give some context to Revelation in the first three chapters, you really see God addressing different churches and specifically warning them and rebuking them in the ways that they eventually became unfaithful. Mm. Um, and so it's in that context that we see the word lukewarm um, used. And so in Revelation chapters two through three specifically, um, Seven, seven different churches are addressed with, with different issues and with warnings and rebukes to go along um, for those different churches. Mm -hmm. And so actually one of the harshest rebukes uh, in Revelation is in Revelation chapter 3, where we see the term lukewarm being used. And mm -hmm. specifically it's used um, for a church called Laodicea. And so let's go ahead and read yeah. part of that passage, and then we'll kind of dive in. So we'll be in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. So addressing the church of Laodicea, God's word says, I know your works. You are neither hot nor, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So as you can see, yeah, 
Yeah. Very harsh words. Yeah. Um, and really to, to understand the term lukewarm, it's helpful to understand some of the context historically of the city. So the city of Laodicea, um, it got its water from um, an aqueduct that was underground and it was several miles away from the city. And so by the time the water traveled underground and got to the city, um, it really was dirty and distasteful and mm. lukewarm. <laughs> and so um, part of the historical context is that people who were from other regions would oftentimes, if they drank the water, they would spit it out because it was so disgusting. It was oh. so distasteful. Mm -hmm. And so what's interesting is that nearby you have Colossae, which is known for having cold, refreshing water. Mm -hmm. And then um, there's another city nearby, I believe called Aeropolis, that was known for its hot springs. And so you have refreshing hot springs there. And then in Colossae, you have cold, refreshing water. But in Lady Osea, you have like a lukewarm, dirty, distasteful water. Mm. And so the Lord uses their water of their city as an illustration for the problems that are going on in the church. And so the way that he describes them is that they're lukewarm. They're not hot and they're not cold. They're lukewarm. And so the idea really is that they weren't cold in the sense that they hadn't rejected Christ. Mm -hmm. They might say that they were Christians mm -hmm. they hadn't necessarily outrightly rejected the gospel. But in the same way, they weren't hot in the sense that they weren't living for Christ. Mm. So it was like this lukewarm idea of they're kind of trying to be in the middle, acting in the middle, mm -hmm. you know. And so when you take those things into consideration, really, uh, you get a biblical definition of being lukewarm would be someone who claims to be a Christian, but lives like a non-Christian. That's kind of a, a good biblical definition of what the text is saying it means to be lukewarm. That they weren't rejecting Christ. They were probably they were probably claiming to be Christians, but that wasn't apparent in the way that they lived. And so when you look at the idea of being a lukewarm Christian, it's problematic because it really is an oxymoron, meaning that it's two words that that go against each other. They contradict each other, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So um, because when you look at lukewarm, you see the idea that you're proclaiming to know Christ, but you're not living in a way that reflects that. But then the Christian is someone who believes and trusts in Christ and then follows Christ. Mm -hmm. And so those two terms really kind of go against each other. And the implication really is that the people, as described in Revelation 3, probably didn't truly know Christ. Mm. Yeah, that's that's hard to hear, but that's really important. And it sounds like, I, that it does sound like an oxymoron. It's almost as if you're saying, um, or Jesus is saying, you're unchristian Christian, yeah. uh, you know, or unbelieving believer. Like, it, it, they just don't go together, yeah. um, that, that label. And that's a really great definition because, you know, whenever we see Jesus... Um, kind of describe his followers. He there's always he always defines it by a trust follow relationship with him. Absolutely, and that's that's a problem that we see in Laodicea and in today's you know Christian context. This world 
um, we see that there's a lot of people who say they they believe and they they follow him, but they don't follow him and they don't believe in him. Yeah, you know, and and that that's a hard reality. I think John um, twelve twenty six kind of shows this a little bit. It says if anyone serves me, he must follow me. He must follow must. me. Yeah, and that that's very important. So when a professing Christian does not follow Jesus, where he leads them, uh, then they are living as an unbeliever. Yeah, even though they say they're a believer. And that's the issue that we see in the text for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, thanks for defining that. Uh, next question is, uh, is there anything wrong or is there anything we should be worried about with being lukewarm? Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of like the logical follow-up question to that, especially because yeah. we see what could be described as a lot of lukewarmness in mm-hmm. the church today. Unfortunately, people who claim to be Christian, but they're not living like it at all. Um, and you know, you know, the answer would be absolutely yes. There, there is something wrong, something dangerous with being lukewarm, mm-hmm. and we see that, you know, in in a couple different places in the text. And so that's where I want to direct us back to is okay. looking at the text that we're in. So specifically, if you look at Revelation three verse sixteen, mm-hmm. notice the harshness of what. He's saying, he says, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Very, very (laughs) harsh, direct terms. And remember that that idea of spitting them out is closely tied to that's what people would do when they drink the water in that city because it was distasteful Mm -hmm. and it was disgusting. And so the main issue with lukewarmness is that in the same way the water in the city was distasteful to the Lord, mm-hmm. it's, the, it's, the, it's the same way with, with someone who's lukewarm mm-hmm. towards, towards God. It, mm-hmm. it's, he sees it as incredibly distasteful, as incredibly offensive, mm-hmm. that, that someone would claim to follow Christ, but then not live like it. And we see it even a step further. Look at even even before that verse, look at what he says in verse 15. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. And then look what he says right here. Would that you were either cold or hot. The idea that he's kind of communicating there is that being lukewarm is even more so offensive Mm. to God than being cold or hot. So the idea is that it, he's saying in that verse, I believe, that it would it would be better for them. In some sense, it would be less offensive to God for them just to outwardly reject Christ. Mm-hmm. Why? Because by proclaiming that they believe in Christ and then not living that way, they're misrepresenting what it means to be a Christian, and therefore they are misrepresenting God himself. And so that, in and of itself, is incredibly offensive to him. Mm -hmm. That's why he uses such harsh language to show them that their actions in being lukewarm are not acceptable. It's not something that pleases him. Mm -hmm. It's something that offends him deeply Mm -hmm. and grieves him. The idea with the with the spitting out and stuff too is kind of the idea of making you sick. Mm-hmm. Like it grieves him and it makes him sick 
to yeah. see people who would proclaim that they profess to believe in Christ, but then that they wouldn't follow that up with following him in the way that they live and mm -hmm. reflecting that in their lives. And so the first reason that, you know, it's, it's wrong and it's dangerous is very simply because it's offensive to God because it misrepresents what Christians are supposed to be mm -hmm. and it misrepresents who God is ultimately wow. to the world. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing that we see is that not only is it offensive to God and it grieves God, but it also is a sin mm -hmm. against God. The lukewarmness that he's calling out is sinful. It is wrongdoing against him. And we know this because of what he says in verse 19. When you look at verse 19, he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Mm -hmm. And so we know that their actions are sinful, that lukewarmness is sinful because he's calling them to repent. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those would be some, some dangerous things about lukewarmness is that it is deeply offensive to God and also sinful against him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's really good to point out um, just these, these dangerous things that we can get into when we are lukewarm. Um, it also makes me kind of, it just stirred this thought in my mind is, you know, would you also say that, you know, this habitual disobedience would indicate unbelief in one's heart? Like, are you saying, and are you saying that lukewarm Christians, all lukewarm Christians are, um, you know, believe or don't believe they're saved or not saved? Like, uh, how would you like walk about that? Yeah, it seems like the text is indicating that you can't be lukewarm and be a genuine Christian. Okay. That's what I see in the text, mm -hmm. you know, is that, is that someone who is walking in that habitual disobedience, mm -hmm. even though they might proclaim that they know Christ, is more evidence that they have an unbelieving heart, that they don't truly understand mm -hmm. the gospel. And I think the hard part with the lukewarmness is we also have to keep in mind that at the end of the day, we don't know people's hearts. Right. We have to keep that in mind, yeah. you know? And so we want to be cautious at the same time because I do think that, yeah, sure, you can you can come in contact with people who might genuinely believe in Christ, but they're just um, mm -hmm. immature in their faith. You yeah. know, they need to be discipled. They yeah. need someone to walk with them. You know, mm -hmm. there there still might be a desire for them to follow Jesus and and to really do what's right, but they're immature. Yeah. They need someone to walk with them. And so it's hard because, yeah, from our perspective, we don't know people's hearts, mm -hmm. you know? So we have to kind of, from our perspective, we have to walk that line kind of carefully. But at the end of the day, either situation, whether whether it's a, you know, immature mm -hmm. believer or it's someone who's not a genuine believer, neither person can is supposed to stay the way that they all, are. all need to repent yeah yeah and and from our perspective a lot of the times when we see stuff like that in people's lives that they they're they seem to proclaim Christ but they're not really following him mm -hmm. you know the the solution that really is is to bring the gospel yeah to them 
you know, in either way. Absolutely. But I would say in, in this text specifically, to be clear, the lukewarmness that's described Mm-hmm. And and the actions of the people that are described in this passage mm-hmm. seem to indicate that there's there's not a genuine belief in um, in Christ, and that's why I think when we use the term lukewarm, mm-hmm. especially because it's only used in this passage, yeah. it seems to refer to those who would claim to be Christians, mm-hmm. but really aren't following. And they're living like they're non-Christians. And so most likely they're not genuine believers. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. All right, so the third question is, what are the signs that someone is a lukewarm Christian? Yeah, absolutely. And that's where, you know, kind of following up from the last question, that's where really where we see in the text, well, what were the things that these people in Revelation at this church were doing that, they got such a harsh, you know, like rebuke. rebuke. Yeah. 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 So, so I want to look at a, a couple things specifically as far as signs that someone, mm-hmm. you know, is lukewarm. And again, I, I want to tie it to the text in Revelation chapter three. So notice what he says in verse 15. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. So their lukewarmness is specifically tied to their works. It's specifically tied to how they're living and that they're, the way that they're living is not consistent with the way that God has revealed, this is how I want you to live mm-hmm. as right. a follower of Christ, as a Christian. You know? And so to contrast that with other scripture, as believers, we're called to bear fruit very, very clearly in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. A great example of that is Matthew 7, 17 through 18. This specifically is talking about how you discern between false teachers, but it really applies to all of us as believers, mm-hmm. as we see in the rest of the scriptures. It says, so every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Mm. So it's a strong passage to indicate that there's really not a gray area between believer and non-believer. It's either you are a believer and you, you bear good fruit, or you are not not a believer and the result is bad fruit mm-hmm. you know sin in your life and stuff like that you know and so and and to clarify what we mean by fruit galatians 5 is really helpful mm-hmm. you know to clarify well if what's the good fruit that we're supposed to be bearing that's supposed to be apparent in our lives and so Galatians 5, 22 through 23 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so all of those things should be apparent in our life as we, in the way that we interact with others and the way that we think, you know, in our works um, and in the way we go about our lives in general. That those things are supposed to be demonstrated and clear in the way that we live and in the way we treat other peoples. And so part of it 
of, of realizing if those things aren't apparent mm -hmm. in someone's life, then they're not bearing good fruit. They're bearing bad fruit. And mm -hmm. so it's specifically tied to, you know, the works in your life are, are going to reveal, you know, whether or not you might be lukewarm. Yeah. And in addition to that, the second thing that we see from the text specifically is their attitude um, about themselves specifically. Mm -hmm. If you look at what it says in verse 17, this is how God describes them and their works too. This is how he describes their works. He says, for you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. So those are some strong words, yep. again, <laughs> to describe some of their actions. But notice that a lot of it has to do with their attitude about themselves, mm -hmm. that there's not this recognition that they need Christ. And a lot of their attitude is like, I don't need anything because I've prospered financially. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so the idea really is that they're holding to their materialistic possessions, that they're holding to other things outside of Christ. And then God points out they haven't realized that they're wretched, yeah. that they're blind, that they're poor. Essentially, the idea being that without Christ, they have nothing. Yeah. But their perspective is that they don't need anything. Yeah. They think that they have everything that they need and their hope is in their physical possessions. Wow. And so the sign is really the way that they think about themselves and the way that they're trusting other things mm -hmm. outside of Christ yeah. instead of Christ. And so that's a sign for us as well, for, for people that we encounter and even as we check our own hearts as well. Yeah. Is that, you know, are we trusting in other things outside of Christ? Do you realize that without Christ, you have you have nothing? You're you're dead in sin, as yeah. Ephesians 2 would put it. Because yeah. the, the one who's a genuine believer realizes that all they have is Christ. Yeah. That's that's it. He's Amen. everything. He's what we need most. Yeah. You know, and so there was there wasn't that understanding among these people. That's what he's rebuking them for. And so that's a sign for lukewarmness today too. If people are extremely, extremely focused on their physical possessions, which is easy to do, especially in just the cultural context that we live in oh, yeah. too. Um, and there kind of is this idea that they don't really need Christ mm -hmm. um, and they don't really understand the gravity of their sin mm -hmm. and who they are and that they're dead in sin without Christ, then those are some signs just, and there, and a lot of times those signs come out in the way that people talk mm -hmm. and in the way that people talk about themselves and the way that people um, carry themselves. When someone realizes that all they have is Christ and they're <laughs> dead in sin, yeah, it's incredibly humbling. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, it's incredibly humbling. And so if there isn't that attitude that understanding of who they are before Christ and without Christ. And that's a sign that, um, that yeah, that there could be, they could be lukewarm. Yeah. That's right. Really important stuff that you're saying. And unfortunately I see a lot of that. I feel like in, in the church today and especially in America where we, 
we we don't we don't see that we we cling to our possessions and we think we're we've been blessed you know and the lord's favor is on us in some way and so we don't worry about you know how wretched we really are and how much in need we are of christ unfortunately the the possessions we have get in the way of that a little bit of actually seeing our deep spiritual need that we are completely dead in our sin and trespasses and that we need Christ. And so, yeah, that's, that's really important for us to understand that, um, that the, the attitude of an, of an unbeliever, a lukewarm Christian is going to be, um, they're, they're going to think they don't need anything else, you know, and, and I can speak personally from my own life on that, that that's how I was before I, before, you know, 19 years old, I, you know, I was in the church. I did not think I really needed. It was kind of like Christ was kind of a, a bonus to what I already had going on until it flip-flopped where I realized I actually have nothing and that Christ is the only thing that really mattered because I was destined for hell. That's what I deserved for the wages of sin equals death. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so that's that's what we all, that's what we need to see. In, that's what Christians do. They recognize that in their lives. Um, so, so help us understand this. Uh, what do you do if you are a lukewarm Christian? Yeah, that's a wonderful question and a necessary one because you could be watching this and thinking like, wow, the way they're describing this person who's lukewarm, that kind of sounds like me. Like maybe mm-hmm. you're realizing that you profess to know Christ, but your your life isn't really characteristic mm-hmm. of some of the things that we've been describing. And you know, the beautiful thing about God's word is that the solution that he provides for the church in Revelation 3 is is the same solution that we need desperately today. And so, you know, going back to verse 19, he says, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Mm. So really the solution has to do with repentance, Mm -hmm. you know, and repentance fundamentally is turning away from your sin and turning towards God. And in addition to that, it's acknowledging your sin to God. And I would even say it's like agreeing with God that the way that you've been living is sinful. Mm. And so it has to do with turning to him. That, that, In addition to that, what's important to understand is that if you're listening or watching and you're realizing that, you know, that might be you, it can be a scary thing. Mm-hmm. To realize, like, maybe I'm a lukewarm Christian. Mm-hmm. But you have to also understand that when you realize that, you don't come to that understanding on your own. Mm-hmm. The reason that you come to that understanding is because God, by his spirit, brings you to that knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so he's working in your heart to help you realize that you're lukewarm if that's where you're at as you're watching this or listening to it. And so you have to, at the same time, understand, yeah, that's a kind of a scary thing, but you also have to understand that the grace of God is completely sufficient to meet you in that sin, just as God's grace is sufficient to meet us in any other sin that we need to confess and repent of and turn Mm -hmm. away from. And so that really is the solution that the text provides is repenting of that sin, turning to God and saying, God, I've, you know, I haven't been living the way that I've, that you want me to. Mm -hmm. I've professed that I know you, but that I've been living how I want to. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to repent of that. I I need you to, 
to help me not live by that. And I need you to help me live in the way that you want me to. So repentance, just it's not just like confessing and dealing with it that way. It's also then like walking differently too. So it's mm-hmm. also then, you know, walking rightly with God, which in order to live in the way as a Christian that God wants you to live, you have to be obedient to his word. And so it's not just confessing to God that you've done wrong and that's it. And then you keep living the way that you want to. That's not genuine repentance. Yeah. It's, it's repentance is it breaks your heart that you've been doing something that God doesn't want you to do. And so you confess that to God, you ask for his forgiveness, and then you ask him to help you walk differently Mm -hmm. and help you to be obedient to what he's revealed in his word and how he wants you to live. Yeah, that's really great. And I think it's important too, maybe to um, not over oversimplify this necessarily, but to give a little bit of clarity on that it's not, um, we're, what we're not saying is you have to be perfect or that um, repentance, you, you repent perfectly and you never sin again. Christians sin. Absolutely. You know, and we aren't saved by our works. We're saved by God's grace. So we want to make sure that's clear because I feel like some people could be hearing that from us and we want to make that clear. But um, repentance is, it's a progression. It's, it's, we're going to always be up to the day I die, you know, um, I'll be repenting of my sin um, until I see the Lord face to face. And, um, and so I, I think we want to make that clear that uh, it, it takes work and there's some sins in our lives that are easier to overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there's some that, um, take time and it, it takes years to 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 fight against and to to guard ourselves against and so you know it's not perfection it's progression you know and the lord is in us in with us on that and he's sanctifying us he's this isn't just a work on our own we're not just to do it on our own but the lord um, is with us and i think that's incredibly comforting that you know god helps us through repentance um and it's also a good place to be, too. I want to encourage and affirm people when they're hearing us talk that um, if you are convicted of this, and you're like, oh, my, I think I am lukewarm. That's a good place to be in because that's conviction. Um, that's conviction over your sin. And that's a you know a great indication that the Lord is working and speaking into your life, you know, through the, 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 word, the word of God and through us. And so um, I want to make sure that, that we just clarified that. I think that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. We're saying that you know, salvation is not by works at all. Salvation is only through what Christ has done on the cross. Mm -hmm. He died in our place as our substitute. Mm -hmm. And so we're saved as a free gift from God by placing our faith and our trust in Christ that he would save us. And as we do that, he, he saved us. Yeah. And then, you know, the, the response is really the bearing fruit. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot, you know, today about a part of being a, uh, a faithful Christian and a genuine believer is that there is good fruit in our life. And so the good fruit is only a response to the greatness of what God has done yeah. for us. It's because God has had so much mercy on us. He's shown us so much grace. He's forgiven us of all of our trespasses, everything that Mm -hmm. you've ever done, 
that's wrong mm -hmm. and everything you ever will do that's wrong. He's forgiven you in Christ. And so there's no greater gift that God could give us. There's no greater thing that God could do mm -hmm. for us other than that. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we're reconciled to God. We have a relationship with him. And so because of the joy that comes from that, we then respond to that by we, we seek to follow him and to be obedient to him. And it, it, it brings us even more joy to be obedient to him because we know that it pleases him when we live in a way that reflects who he is and mm -hmm. it acts as a witness to other people mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I think what you're describing there is, is the whole argument of the book of James. You know, the fruit on a tree does not, uh, good fruit on a tree does not um, keep a tree alive. Yeah. The fruit comes from a tree being alive. Yeah. And it's the same with us in Christ. We don't bear fruit on our own. We are made alive in Christ through his sacrifice, through his bloodshed on the cross. And then we bear fruit. That's the response to the gospel. And that's, that's yeah. the whole argument of the book of James. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Awesome. Okay, last question is, uh, how do we help people that are lukewarm? If we have someone in our lives that we know they're displaying this kind of behavior, this lukewarmness, um, how do we help them? Yeah, that's kind of the other side of the spectrum, you know, as far as like we looked at, well, what do you do if you might be, be lukewarm? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, for those of us who... You know, we are striving to live a Christ-centered life. There's probably going to be people in your life that you know mm -hmm. that you might think are lukewarm. Um, and, you know, to be honest, it's really frustrating a lot of the time because, you know, as a genuine believer yourself, you, you can hopefully see the benefit of following Christ and the joy that comes from being obedient to him and growing in maturity mm -hmm. and growing in just your knowledge of him. And so you want that for other people. And so it can be frustrating to see people, you know, proclaiming to be Christian, but not really not living, living as a non-Christian, you know, yeah. I think a lot of it from the perspective of the genuine believer, it has a lot to do with your attitude mm -hmm. towards that person who might be lukewarm. And I think 1 Thessalonians 5.14 is a really good verse to help you think through just how to address those people. Mm -hmm. And so Paul says this, he says, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. Such a good verse. So the idea of admonish is really warning. And so you see that in the text that we are to warn people. And in this text specifically, it's the idol, you know, which can also be described as like a laziness, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but it's not just warning people. It's also encouraging. It's also helping. And then it's being patient with them all. And so as you think about those people in your life who might be demonstrating characteristics of being lukewarm, do as you approach them and as you think about them, do you have an attitude of admonishment, of encouragement, mm -hmm. of help? And are you thinking through how to be patient with that person? And where the patience is going to come in is, is most likely that you're going to have to have the same conversation with them over and over, over and over and over again. Yeah. Because what the lukewarm person needs is the gospel. Mm -hmm. That's what they need. They need to be presented 
with the gospel. This is what the mm -hmm. true gospel is, you know? And so yeah. more than likely, you're going to have to have that conversation multiple times. And it's it takes a lot of patience to do that. Mm -hmm. And it, it requires that you be willing to, to have hard conversations with people. Sometimes because it's easier, we we tend to shy away from having those hard conversations and kind of let people stay in their lukewarmness. Mm -hmm. But that's not what God wants us to do. Mm -hmm. he, he wants us to help those people. He wants us to admonish them, to encourage them, and to be patient with them, yeah. you know? And so is that how you're, are you seeking to do that with those in your life that you might think are lukewarm? Um, in addition to that, I would say, you know, you when someone is lukewarm, it's a really, really difficult situation because in a lot of ways, most likely they're not a Christian, mm -hmm. but they're claiming to be a Christian. So what's difficult about that is if you witness to someone who like is an atheist, they're not claiming to be a Christian. Yeah. So it's a little bit easier of a starting point to have those kind of gospel conversations mm -hmm. with them. The the difficulty with the with someone who's lukewarm is that you essentially kind of have to convince them that they're not a Christian and then <laughs> like show them like what it means yeah. to be a Christian. So it, it can be really difficult because you could share the gospel with someone who's lukewarm and they could like more than likely agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. But then it's like, well, you're not getting it because you're not you're not living that way. Yeah. You know? So it's a difficult position to be in. So, you know, that's why it's really helpful to know know those scriptures that say like, hey, part of being a Christian is is doing this, is walking in this way, is living in this way, and showing, you know, those people, you know, those scriptures mm -hmm. to kind of help demonstrate that they're not living in that way. And then you can kind of have hopefully a gospel conversation with them about that. A good one that I find that's pretty easy is 1 John uh, chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. So it says, By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Mm -hmm. So it's it's pretty simple for the most part. There are some kind of difficult words, like abiding is, is a difficult word. Kind of a difficult concept mm -hmm. but the the idea for the most part i would say most people can probably understand is that you know it's saying if you are saying that you're a christian how do we know that that's true we know that that's true because you walk in the same way in which jesus walked yeah you strive to live like jesus did because he's the perfect example he's a standard for us he set the way that we're supposed to live yeah. and follow him. And so, you know, I think one thing that can be convicting for people is not that you necessarily read that verse to them, but that mm -hmm. you open up to that section and you have them read that verse, mm -hmm. have them read that verse out loud and then ask them what they think that means mm -hmm. and kind of navigate that conversation that way of like, this is what it means to be a Christian, that you walk in the same way that Jesus walked. Mm -hmm. And so, because the follow-up question is, can you say that you're doing that mm -hmm. in your own life? And if the answer is no, that means that you're not a Christian, even though you might claim 
to be one. Mm -hmm. You know, some other good examples are the the bearing fruit passage that we read earlier, John which 15 is as well. Yeah, which is the bearing bearing fruit one in Matthew that we read earlier was Matthew seven, mm -hmm. and then John fifteen. You mentioned that one yeah. is a good one. Another really good one is Colossians three. Oh yeah, Colossians three goes through. You know, if you're in Christ, mm -hmm. then you need to put, put off. off these things, put off the old self, and you need to put on the new self. Mm -hmm. And so walking through, you know, you need to stop doing these things and you need to do these things. So that can be um, a helpful way to walk with someone who's, um, you might think is, uh, has signs of being lukewarm. And in addition to that, practically, I would say a lot of times when you see people who are probably lukewarm, a lot of times they're not plugged in anywhere in the church. So a lot of times they probably are just coming to Sunday morning and then they're just kind of going home after that. They're not involved in anything else in the church. And so another helpful thing is not only having these kind of conversations with them, but also just inviting them to the things that you're plugged into that help you grow because they need to be around other believers who, you know, that's what we do when we gather in smaller contexts yeah. is that we pray together and we discuss God's word and we discuss specifically how are we going to live this out, mm -hmm. you know? And so hopefully that's another thing you can do too, is invite them to the things that you're involved in, whether it's a, you know, a small group Bible study or whatever it might be that would help them grow and seeing the need to, to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. Yeah. That's great. And this is discipleship. Yeah. <laughs> If you've ever wondered out there, if you've ever wondered, you know, what does discipleship look like? Josh just described it. You know, it's it's having those hard conversations with people that are around you who profess to be a Christian, but they're not walking the walk. And, and we should invite this even into our own lives. There's things in, I know in my life that I need Josh to speak into and say, hey, you're not walking the walk. You know, you're not following Christ in this area. That's discipleship. Um, and so, you know, thank you for sharing that, Josh. That was really helpful. And I hope you, the audience, you know, really benefited from that as well. And our just our church family is blessed from this because, you know, we want to. This is a, a, a good, important, healthy conversation because we don't want we don't want anyone to to miss out on Christ and to miss out on all the blessings that come from Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's only through trusting in him for for his salvation, for his grace and mercy on our lives. And so um, we want to make sure that people genuinely do that. And they're, that they're not lukewarm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. You've been listening to the LBC podcast, a podcast of Lorglin Bible Church in Bakersfield, California. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend and remember to subscribe to stay up to date on all new podcasts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.